welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. What the Lord warns us about is it, it's hard for us because when we hear the word, you know, I grew up in Alabama, and you hear the word intermarry, that was considered a white person marrying a black person. That was what intermarrying was in Alabama. But in the Bible, that's not what intermarrying is. It's not a white or black issue. Intermarrying is when an Israelite, someone who is uh, from a seed of Abraham, someone who's a God's people, when they go outside of their Israelite community and they marry someone from a different people group, a different people group who does not worship the Lord, a different people group that uh, holds to idols, a different people group that doesn't follow the Old Testament law that the Lord gave Moses. And we see that command over and over again. The reason I'm preaching on this tonight is if you're doing your reading through your Bible, you will come to Ezra chapter 10. And you see that's the reading for today. We're going to get to that here in a little bit. But what happened was Ezra, background information on this. Ezra is coming back. They've been in exile for 70 years in Babylon. But then Babylon was conquered by Persia. King Cyrus let them come back there to Jerusalem. And one of the great things the Lord did, Nebuchadnezzar captured all these uh, temple gold objects for worship, and he just stored them in the Babylon treasury. Well, they were still there, and they actually brought back all their gold, everything that had been captured. They were able to haul it all back. So they go back to Jerusalem after 70 years. Nebuchadnezzar hauled them off. King Cyrus released them and sent them back in several different waves. And Ezra gets to Jerusalem. And they're ready to rebuild their, their, their uh, temple. They're ready to reestablish worship. And they look out. And uh, many of the men have married foreign women from Babylon. They go off in exile. And instead of marrying uh, someone from the Israelite community they married a Babylonian or a Persian, someone different. And then they're bringing back their foreign wives to Jerusalem. And the problem with that is the reason they got hauled away is for that very reason, because many of the Israelites, they were abandoning their worship, and they were no longer worshiping the Lord, they were worshiping idols, and that was why God had judged them. And Ezra is saying, guys, we have been in exile 70 years. You would think we'd learn our lesson. Like we shouldn't be bringing, we're bringing back idol worship to reestablish. We're starting the same old problem over and over and over again. And Ezra saw that and he actually began weeping. He was so upset, so sad that the people had intermarried and we're bringing them back they're going to have a repeat but i want to read the background information on this deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 3 this was the command for the israelites they were about to go into canaan the promised land and the lord was warning them you're going to go into this land and you should not marry the canaanite women you don't take them for a wives it's so important for us if you have children or grandchildren or even you yourself If you're thinking about getting married or you have family members who are getting married, you want to make sure you are marrying someone who not just loves the Lord, but lives according to the Bible. Because if you don't, you will have problems 
not just in your marriage, it's problems in your home. And that was the issue, what was going on here. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 3, it says, You must not intermarry with them, and you must not give your daughters or their sons or take their daughters for your sons. That passage there, don't, not only can you not intermarry them, you can't even give your children to them to get married. So, you have a child. Most of us here are probably parents. You have children. You have grandchildren. I hope you're praying for your children and your grandchildren for their spouse. They will approach you one day and say, Dad, Mom, I want to marry such and such. And they're asking for your permission. They want your blessing. They want your approval. And if that man or that young woman is not a godly person who is faithfully goes to church, who loves the Lord, has been saved, and follows Jesus, Grandpa, Grandma, you need to say, No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to. I mean, that's why they're saying here don't give them, you don't, you don't send off your children to someone who is. Um, you know, who doesn't love the Lord, say, Daniel, you, have, you don't live in the real world. You're going to realize how hard this is. Your kids are going to, they're young right now. They're going to grow up and they'll get 30 years old and they do whatever they want to do. We have to do the best we can to shape and steer our children and our grandchildren in the best direction. And you're right. They might not listen to us. But we have to make every effort to say, you know, the Bible says this. You know, you're stepping into a marriage, you're stepping into a relationship that could potentially has a good phrase I like to use is red flags. So when you see someone or you hear about things, you see a red flag here, a red flag. These are all clues that the Lord gives us that this, this you need to use extreme caution in this situation with this person. Something isn't right. And that's what God is saying here. And I know sometimes folks just don't listen to other people, but we have a responsibility. If someone is asking for our blessing, we can control, say, I just, you know, we need to wait. I don't want to give it right now. It's just, there, uh, he, he, she hasn't won me over. I'm not convinced. I'm not sold. And you don't, you don't be rude about it. You be very kind and compassionate, but we stand firm on the Word of God and try to direct people where they need to go. And goes on to say there, here's why this is so important. Because they will turn your sons away from me to worship other gods. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you and He will swiftly destroy you. Meaning the Lord is saying here, I know what's going to happen. You're going to go down this road and marry this person and they, their heart will turn you away from me. So that is the warning from Deuteronomy. God gave the Israelites that command, that verse, to prepare them for entering the promised land. They cannot marry the Canaanites. You don't even give your, your people over. In a church, you know, we, we want to make sure, even as a church here, we, that people who are getting married are two believers who are marrying one another. You know, this is an issue on the issue of uh, homosexual and gay marriage. It's an issue for a lot of churches that if they have not decided, luckily or fortunately, our church stands on the Word of God, and based on our church's bylaws, a gay person can't get married here. Now, I'm sure you could sue the church over that, 
But you, we stand on the Word of God. And we as families, we as parents and as grandparents, we do the same. And it's important for us too. When we attend a wedding, even when you go attend a wedding, or you give a gift for a wedding, you're actually giving your approval for that. So if you know of people who just aren't, this is not a godly union. You have two people who aren't spiritually on the same page. We as Christians, we do the best we can to redirect them and try to share with them the Word of God and pray that they listen to what the Word of God says. Now flip over in your Bible, book of Ezra. Ezra's right before Nehemiah, almost in the middle of your Bible here. This is our passage here. I want to um, read, uh, we're not going to read all 17 verses because I want to get, in a little bit here, I want to get to what it means to be unequally yoked in 2 Corinthians. But I want to read Ezra chapter 9. Here's their sin that they committed here. Ezra chapter 9. They're go, they're, they are returning and they have arrived back in Jerusalem after 70 years. And the first issue they deal with is marriage. I want to tell you, you say, Pastor, that's, why is this such a big deal, marriage? Marriage is a big deal today. Because, uh, remember, God established the family. Remember, there's three institutions the Lord has established. In order, first was the family, second was government, and third was the church. Those are the only three organizations the Lord established in our Bible. And the family was actually established in Genesis chapter 1. Then again, in Genesis chapter 2, he reiterated it in the creation story. But the family is first. When, you're, when, marriage, when, a, when a country's marriages begin to fall apart, or in this case our country is being redefined, you know you are on a road to destruction right there. Because what happens is when you have ungodly marriages, you are going to have children who do not know their Bible. They are not brought to church. They are not raised up in the Lord. They are not taught what is right and wrong. And the context of appropriate doing that is between a, a, a man and a woman who both love the Lord and who raised their family in church. And it says here, I want to read Ezra chapter 9. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2, and then I'm going to skip down. Or actually, I'm going to read verse 1, and I'm going to skip down and read verse 3. After these things had been done, that's entering back into Jerusalem, the leaders approached me, this is Ezra writing this, and said, the people of Israel... The priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the surrounding peoples whose detestable practices are like that of the Canaanites. And then that lists all the different people groups who have what the Bible called detestable practices. They have not separated themselves. That means they've just meshed together. Part of being holy, the word holy means separate. God calls us to holiness. We are different from the world. Our lifestyle, our thinking, the way we spend our money, the way we invest, it's, it's a, a, a holy way honoring the Lord. And then he sees um, all their, what they've done. They've, uh, look at verse 2 here. Indeed, the Israelite men have taken some of their daughters as wives for themselves and their sons, so that the holy seed has become mixed with the surrounding peoples. The leaders and officials have taken the lead in this unfaithfulness. When I heard this report, this is Ezra speaking, he says, I tore my tunic and robe, pulled out some of the hair from my head, hair, head and beard, and sat down devastated. Ezra wanted to start anew in Jerusalem, and here he's already dealing with corruptible marriage. 
And that's the same problem that we have today here in 2023. Now, looking, look what Ezra does here. Chapter 10. We're not going to read all 17 verses, but I want to read the first few here. Chapter 10, it starts out with the way that he responds. Ezra calls the people to send. He calls these people, that the men who are bringing these foreign wives into the city. He's saying, men, you need to send them away. They do not belong here. You should not um, do this. While Ezra prayed and confessed, weeping and falling face down before the house of God, an extremely large assembly of Israelite men, women, and children gathered around him. He's weeping. He's so upset over this situation. He looks out. He's leading a worship service. And he looks out and he sees foreign people who do not love the Lord. And he knows that they, they shouldn't be here. This is, this is for God's Jewish folks. The people also wept bitterly. Then Shanachiah, son of Jehai and Elamphite, responded to Ezra, We have been unfaithful to our God by marrying foreign women from the surrounding peoples, but there is still hope for Israel in spite of this. Therefore, let's make a covenant before our God and send away all the foreign wives and their children according to the counsel of my Lord and of those who tremble at the command of our God. Let it be done according to the law. Get up. For in this matter is your responsibility, and we support you. Be strong and take action. So their call to plan was to actually send away. We're not going to bring these foreign women back into Jerusalem. So then you might ask the question, Pastor, what if I'm married to a foreign woman? Do I just send her away? Does this justify divorce? And the answer to that, according to the New Testament, Jesus says, no. We don't just send away our wives because they all of a sudden don't become believers. Paul did address this in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And he said, when you, you find yourself uh, married to an unbeliever, and maybe someone's gotten saved, or you got more mature and you realize, I shouldn't probably have married an unbeliever, that you should be faithfully praying for your spouse, and you should win your spouse over with your witness. You should be a faithful prayer warrior for them, and uh, exemplify Christ so much that you, uh, you want to lead them to the Lord. Now, that doesn't always work whatsoever. That's not guaranteed anything, but you're placed in a situation where you want to lead your family in the circumstances you have the best you can for the Lord. Remember, in the, in the Bible, there was only two biblical reasons for divorce. And the first one, they're, they're found in Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 19. The first one is what the Bible calls sexual immorality. If you're married and your spouse commits sexual immorality, you, uh, you can get divorced. Now, Jesus says you can do that, but that's because you have a hard heart. You should forgive them. But if you wanted to, you actually could. He allowed that exception. And the second exception is found in Second or 1 Corinthians chapter 7. If you are married to an unbeliever, and the unbeliever leaves. You're married, and you're married to a non-believer, and they just leave. Paul says, let them go. You don't need to chase after them. You don't need to go capture them. If they refuse to be married, just there's nothing you can do. You cannot stop that situation. Now, but we as believers, we want to make sure we position ourselves spiritually so that we don't find ourselves marrying or having children or grandchildren marrying people who are not believers. And not only that, we all know divorce is devastating. Divorce has 
generational consequences in uh, so many people's lives, we want to make sure in our faith, in our walk with the Lord, that the, ourselves and the people whom we love the most, we're making godly decisions in whom we're marrying. So flip over here in your Bible. Last passage we're going to look at is in the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 18. I have a picture up here on the wall of what this passage is. This is the one we commonly talk about. I guess, I mean, that, that animal on the, in the white, that it looks like a satanic animal. I guess that's a bull or a, a ram. I don't know. It's a really strong animal, and that looks like a little horse on the left. So if you, if you were going to plow a field, you probably, if you were a farmer, you would not put that bull or ram, that strong animal there, with a weak animal. You can tell I didn't grow up on a farm, these type of farm animals, but you don't put these animals together to go plow your field. Because obviously that, that satanic looking animal looks really strong and it's going to just mow over the little, little, my little pony there on the left. So you want to make sure that your animals are equally yoked. And what the Bible's talking about that being making sure you're equally yoked is both a husband and a wife are both believers. And I want to tell you, that's a business principle too. When you uh, do business with someone, you want to, you know, it's always good for us. We want to make sure we, if best we can, we do, if you know a fellow Christian, uh, do business with them. You know, they're tithing, they're giving, they're supporting their church. You do the best you can to support fellow believers. But there could be times, and there are times, where we will find ourselves, uh, in many cases, I guess, doing business with the devil. And that's what we have going on here. So look what the Bible says about this. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. This is a passage here that very similar. It keeps talking about this, who we marry. Do not be yoked together with those who do not believe. So that means you should not be tied up with strong horse versus weak horse. For what partnership is there between righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship does light have with darkness? What agreement does Christ have with Beel? And that's another word for the devil. Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And the answer to all these rhetorical questions is nothing. You shouldn't have anything in common. And what agreement does the temple of God have with idols? And that was the problem with what was going on in Ezra's time. The foreign wives and the foreign Canaanite people were bringing their idols back to Jerusalem. For we are the temple of the living God. As God says, I will dwell and walk among them. And I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and separate, says the Lord. Do not touch any unclean thing and I will welcome you. I will be a father to you and you will be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord God Almighty. God is saying to people, families, and homes, He's saying, I want to be your God. But if you are in a house that is divided spiritually, it is hard to have a Christ-centered home. And you have uh, people who are worshiping video games in our common culture of today, and then those that want to live for the Lord. One of the most, if not the most important decision, the most important decision you ever make is giving your life to Jesus Christ. The second most important decision we ever make is choosing our spouse. I want to tell you something. We all have children and grandchildren. We all have nieces and nephews, people in our lives who are young and they're dating and they're thinking about these things. We should be praying for young people. 
I was praying for Sherry before I met her. You want to be praying for your future spouse, your children's future spouse, your grandchildren's future spouse, because this will cause much heartache and pain in their life if they find themselves unequally yoked. How sad is it? And it even happens here at Broadway, where you have a husband or a wife who comes to church and their spouse refuses to come into the sanctuary. Just refuses, have no desire. I even offered to go visit them. They're like, no, no chance. They don't want you. Because they are no, have no interest in that. That is what unequally yoked looks like. And it is devastating on the children. It's uh, devastating on, um, on your own spouse, on your own on future children, and we as believers need to see the dangers of what occurs with that. And for us in this principle, God wanted the purity of His worship and bringing foreigners in. You know, we have lots of guests always at our worship service. Lots of visitors come worship here. And we don't know where they stand spiritually, but we as a church family, the one thing we protect and the one thing we don't give in on is the Word of God. We stand on the Word of God. We boldly proclaim the Word of God. And we want all sorts of people to respond to what God says. We don't bend for them. They bend their knee at the foot of Jesus. I'm going to lead us in prayer. And we're going to close our service here with an invitation to respond. God, I thank you for your word out of Ezra. Lord, you, Ezra, you used Ezra to call the people to repent and to turn to you. They had to abandoned their foreign wives they had acquired in Babylon. Lord, it was wrong for what they did. They were breaking Deuteronomy chapter 7. Jesus, I pray this evening that we will be bold in our response. Lord, if there's any decisions here, anybody who wants to join our church or recommit their life, Lord, this is our time we respond to you. Lord, I thank you for your word and what you're doing. We pray for voice of praise in our choirs. They're down in Danville, and they are doing a wonderful concert. Lord, we thank you for our business meeting. We'll have shortly. In Jesus' name we pray. I'm going to invite everyone to stand up. Steve's going to lead us in a song. Karen on the piano. I'll be standing up front. You respond to the good news. Mm-hmm.